We really think European butter from France is the best butter. And our friend, the expert baker and best-selling cookbook author David Leibovitz agrees. Check out our recent episode with David to find out how he cooks with quality butter. And for recipes, tips, and cooking advice, go to tasteeurope.com. I'm I'm still trying to like understand what's going on with caviar right now because it's getting super gross. It's just it's just losing all meaning. I think that it's just there's so many places where it's just uh, an unnecessary comma. You're listening to the Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Today on the show, I have a great time catching up with Tammy Ticklamariam. Tammy is a New York-based writer who for the past year served as New York Magazine's The Year I Ate New York columnist, which, as the name suggests, was a rigorous look at New York's technicolor dining scene. We find out how she pulled it all off, some of her best and worst meals, and find out what's next for one of my favorite food writers around. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tammy. Tammy Teclamariam, welcome to the Taste Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. So great to have you in. And I was like, when I saw the news that you were continuing your year of eating New York in a different form, I was like, I want to have you in. I will say this very briefly. I love what you did this year. I think it is incredibly robust. I thought it was something that was a huge, like, you made a very big you took a big cut at something that a lot of people have tried, which is like covering New York City's dining scene at scale, <laughs> like going out to more than five restaurants a week, going out to dozens of restaurants a week. I loved the flow of your writing. I love that you jumped in and out of scenes. You would go from the Upper East Side to deep Brooklyn to, you know, Queens have pizza. I mean, there was so many great moments and we'll get too many of them of my favorites. But hey, congrats. Thank you. Uh, I made it. It is uh, late December and I have no more writing due for the rest of the year. It's it's a remarkable feeling. I can I can finally take a breath. (laughs) So the deadlines were real. They came they came fast and furious, right? (laughs) I mean, time is real. I think that that is. Um, And, you know, as a writer, I I have always um, had such generous editors who have understood my both, uh, you know, juggling wine store jobs or whatever, and just general misery along with trying to write things. And so, you know, I've gotten away with a lot of late work, but this is not (laughs) um, a late work kind of gig. Or like, if it is, it's, it's just, it really intensifies the scramble. And so sometimes it, it does come down to the wire if just like, you know, stuff doesn't pan out or if, if something comes up. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think it was, um, it was more stressful in the beginning because I was just kind of trying to figure out the form. And um, I think that has a lot to do with the style that I came up with. It's not really, um, you know, something that I've practiced, but it's interesting because, you know, they kept telling me in the beginning, like, you know, this is like, like the magazine, like, will, you know, we will help you, like, make it sound mm. like the magazine. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I keep thinking of that. And hmm. um, 
it's it's interesting because it definitely makes me aspire to more. Uh, and, you know, I did feel sort of the legacy of it behind me. I mean, not that I don't always aspire to more, mm. um, but it's uh, having that kind of um, foundation um makes you want to turn your stuff in on time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, credit to New York Magazine, David Haskell, the editor-in-chief, to Alan, to the, your editors, who you probably had many. Like, clearly, they let you... It was mostly Alan. Mostly Alan. Okay, well, shout out Alan. Um, <laughs> Print stuff, uh, other people. Okay, so Alan, and, like, the idea that you could, like, really have a voice versus other publications that do these types of roundup writing where you have to be fit into a, a certain mode, it really, it's cool. I mean, it's credit to, to the editing process, but mostly crediting to you for actually figuring out a form that works. It's very addictive. Like, I opened all your emails. <laughs> like, for real, I opened them all. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think that's... Uh, part of the reason why they kept me on. Yeah, uh, <laughs> good open rates, um, good engagement. Yeah, thank you to everyone <laughs> who opened my emails. No, it's funny. Um, <laughs> so let's go back to the actual interview process because I can imagine many people wanted this job when it was announced, and it was a very big announcement. We're going to hire one critic to go around and eat New York for a year. Clearly someone had to be up for the task. What was that interview process like? What was the interview process like? It was... M- it definitely had a few layers. So I remember the initial application was several questions. Like that was kind of like mm-hmm. a college application. Like, I don't know, maybe three or four essays or I don't know. I, I guess it depends. I don't know if everybody wrote the same amount. I can't remember if there's a suggested word number word count mm-hmm. or something. Um, but I, I feel like... That first application, I probably wrote, like, 2,500 words yeah, or so. Um, and I just, like, remember, like, writing most of it at, like, 2 a.m. when I couldn't sleep one yeah. night. Um, but it was interesting. It was, like, just a bunch of different scenarios. Uh, and then, like, you know, just coming up with, like, you know, name your three – name the three best restaurants in New York. So you're already, like, having to sort of come to conclusions and, you know, and – justify them and you know the thing that like really that I had to learn on the job but that I also sort of like had to sink into on the application is that you you really can't like feel like your words are super glued to you when you say stuff like that Mm -hmm. because you just have to say something you know (laughs) and it's not it's not careless it's 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 thoughtful like me reasoned out but like you can't you know, weigh it out forever. And I mean, maybe this is just part of decisive writing. Um, But, you know, just just having to come down on that opinion and go with it and not let it affect how you feel yourself during the next week. um, (laughs) Certainty can be can feel like you're being like too certain and maybe arrogant is a word I would use. Like feel like if you have that certainty with some of your writing, I know this feeling that you're, you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not afraid of being called arrogant or something. So no, I'm not either, and I've been called that before. <laughs> right, but it, it definitely holds a lot of people back. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, just, like, I I think that I did have a pretty comprehensive understanding of, of New York restaurants, but that's because it's, like, my hobby, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, it's a thing that I do on weekends with my friends, most of whom are 
other food journalists. Yeah. So, you know, it, it actually is a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. No, and it needed that because, I mean, with the work that you did for the past, you know, year, um, you had no spare time, it seems, like just looking at the volume of restaurants. So let's continue with the interview process. You fill out the application, hit send, and then what happens? Hit send. Um, I think I probably got contacted by, like, uh, like a Vox person because um, I guess they had a lot of people sifting through it. But then... I think it probably went to an interview with Alan and then maybe a follow-up interview with Alan. I can't really remember. I don't think that there was another round of writing, mm -hmm. but I honestly, like, <laughs> this, I haven't thought about, uh, <laughs> like, I haven't really, ha like, lived in a way that I could recycle thoughts that have happened in the past year. So uh, I think it was just two rounds of interviews, but... Mm. Um, Gosh, like, I think the second interview was more of, like, motivation. Like, why do you think yeah. uh, you'd be good at this? Like, uh, just, like, speaking to that. Yeah. And then you get the gig. Like, someone calls you. You do it. They, they, <laughs> they send out a press release. We're all like, oh, cool. Tammy's rad. You've written for Taste. Like, I love your writing. I loved your, what you. You've edited my writing. I've edited your writing. And I think, honestly, um, you never I never got to read enough of you, straight up. Oh. Like, there wasn't, you weren't a columnist, you weren't on staff anywhere. So you get this opportunity, and I'm like, yo, cool. Um, what's that first week like? Like, what is, <laughs> like, the first week? Mm -hmm. And I think, just to preface for listeners, you ate at around 475 restaurants. It's 457. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, you inverted oh, it. Oh, I, was, I inverted it, but I, close yeah. enough. Um, so you're going on a path to eat at 457 <laughs> restaurants in New York City. Um, and yes, it does hurt me that it wasn't 500. Obviously, <laughs> obviously. Was that in the, is that in the rubric that you're going to eat 500? No, but it's like, you know, if you're on a trajectory toward 500, <laughs> it's, it's, it's obviously going to be on everybody's mind, you know, <laughs> especially a magazine that needs to make a headline. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, just like, you know, to have a sense of completion in a completely uh, boundaryless <laughs> world. Um, yeah, no, I, it just, uh, I, yeah, it, it, we couldn't do it. And it's fine. It's fine. 457 is pretty good. You probably realized at some point <laughs> that it, you weren't going to hit 500 and you're like, oh, man, thank God. Because you uh, could slow down a little bit. I got, I, I was doing the, a, a profile on Scar Pimentel, Scar's yeah, Pizza. I love that. In November. And that just took up a lot of time where I would have just been, you know, kind of going out a lot every night um, or every night that week. And it just, you know, I, it's, yeah, you got to, you know, still like mm -hmm. sleep. <laughs> well, you, you also wanted to work on your craft for different styles of writing, not just the newsletter. So that first week, though, OK, we're like looking yeah. at like restaurant one, restaurant two. Um, I've reviewed restaurants. I think it is incredibly difficult. To, I was doing two a month of going to like five restaurants on the clock a month. And that was hard. I mean, timing, scheduling, time in restaurants, all of it's challenging. What was that first week like? Yeah. So I guess by first week, let's call it like probably like week one and a half or two because there's onboarding, beginning of the year stuff, whatever. And then there was a lot of just trying to figure out what the newsletter would be because, you know, even though the job listing was very publicized, the actual format was not set in stone in any way. And that was a lot of like what I was going to bring to it. So it was a lot of just idea generation, conversations with the magazine people. Um, uh, and there's a, a newsletter editor as well. Um, and they were definitely more involved, like, in the beginning of it and the conceptualizing of it all. 
Um, so I think, and it was so weird back then because it was Omicron and it yeah. was really freaking weird because like this, like the last restaurant I had gone to was like a press dinner at Nas 17, like mm. a $400 omakaze, eight seat with just, you know, seven other journalists uh, on December 23rd. And even that felt sketchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that next week, it was just like no socialization because everybody was like every party got canceled. Mm-hmm. Every single Christmas party after December 14th, 2021 yeah got canceled so it was just so weird even like stepping out i don't think i went to a restaurant the first restaurant i went to was siguri Mm. uh the sri lankan restaurant um and uh on staten island no no uh the one in the east village yeah um on and i went on january 7th and that was like it was it was just like nobody was out and it mm-hmm. was and even it was just so hit or miss because that was still such a time where outdoor seating was important and so there were just so many other things around the activity of going out to a restaurant compared to even just the way it is now uh mm-hmm. checking in with uh, whatever that program was called mm-hmm. uh or like i i never even downloaded the thing i just had this picture yeah. on my phone <laughs> and i would just yeah. swipe through like i never yeah. even i never even streamlined it i would literally like go to five restaurants a day and then swipe through at the door <laughs> to yeah. like find this picture of my of my covid um mm-hmm. it was imperfect science at the time <laughs> i mean i mean so you had a really challenging test cuz omicron definitely shut down the city there were critics who weren't going to restaurants around our country but you on the other hand are are tasked with eating new york um, it's also like cold and not fun. Like New York in January is not awesome. Um, the winds are are whipping. Um, but you still ended up eating at a lot of restaurants. And and like let's go over a few in those early days because I wanted to get a sense in the early days. I mean, were there some highlights that you were like really surprised at in those first like couple months? Um, okay, so week one, like the first newsletter was the Blitz. Um, I don't know. It was like twenty five restaurants. That's right. You did like a twenty six in five days. That's right, or something. Um, so that was you know that was the real initiation, the gavage, uh, <laughs> and that was interesting because that was like simultaneously like putting in the work to understand restaurants at that moment, understand the job, yeah, and produce the first newsletter and sort of like you know. So there was just a lot going on around that. Um, I think I was surprised most by the reception to the newsletter about, like, leaving people alone when they are uh, when they go out by themselves. Solo at the bar, yeah, I love that Yeah, one. Uh, just love because that. that one, you know, and maybe that was, like, more in the style of just, like, magazine opinion kind of thing, so it was just my first time, you know, just sort of going offbeat like that. Um, but I think I was just surprised by the amount of response and I mean yeah you know largely positive um but I think people just responded well to uh a strong opinion of somebody who's you know actually like sitting at a bard stool and and somebody called you like brave like they were like (laughs) you're brave for sitting at a bar or something like that you're drunk (laughs) yeah truly (laughs) Oh, I mean, the amount of time you have to spend. Restaurants are beautiful things, and you love them. I love them. But, man, that's a lot of time around drunk-ass people. (laughs) 
being in restaurants and having 26 meals in one week, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that particular week, thankfully, did not um, become the model yeah. for the rest of the newsletter. Right. I think it was just kind of like whoosh. Um, and then there were times throughout the year where, like, you know, depending on like certain projects coming in. So uh, like in July, I did an ice cream roundup. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty brutal for me because like I I actually don't love to chow down on ice cream. Mm-hmm. Like I love a beautiful scoop at a restaurant, but like a canal, you know, I don't I, I don't want gobs and gobs of dairy. Yeah. So that was just like you know, whipping around town, like taking uh, an Uber to Forest Hills. I think so. No, not Forest Hills. Um, God, what's that restaurant? Where uh, that ice cream parlor is. Is it Forest Hills? Wait, up in Queens you're talking about? Yeah. Oh. That old school ice cream parlor. Yeah, I don't know that one. God, see, this is terrible. Did I'm you already... go to LMB Spumoni and have the Spumoni? <laughs> uh, no, but. That's not ice cream, I guess. Sorry. That's well, not... no, no. I mean, it's iconic, but LMB kind of needs to be canceled. So. Yeah, well, well, so this is a great segue. Man, Pat is just looking at producer Pat, and he is not feeling that taken. I might have to agree. I, I just, I just want to hear. I, I'm from Bensonhurst, so uh, oh. I, I'm just curious to know what, what LMB I'm, did now. I, I mean, I, I know, personally exactly. disagree with the take, but I— What I, have they gotten themselves I, into? So I'll say this. I want to pepper this conversation that we're going to talk about the, the craft of and the process, but I want to, like, get as many restaurant names in good or bad because— like you just said something like that's amazing. Like LMB needs to get canceled. We'll get there. But like God. I want to get. <laughs> Don't get me killed. Like, no, come on. Like... Well, actually, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. We we might. You might have to go into the witness protection program wow. after uh, saying anything about okay. LMB. The, the, the I, fine. Uh, I've heard plenty of men there. When is this coming out? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, no, I because the last piece is dropping in this week's issue. And okay. I, I, I have an opinion that I know I'm gonna. People are gonna be mad at me for. Okay, the timestamp we're recording this in the <laughs> afternoon of December nineteenth. I think we're gonna drop this by the end of the year, so that piece will be out. I'll definitely link to it if it's around. Um, Okay, let's just do LMB. Like I, I love LMB. It's my top three. It's on the, it's on the podium for me. I love the single topic, the single focus there. Certainly, I've heard plenty of people talk shit about LMB. Why don't you like it? Um, you know, I wasn't thinking about the pizza when I said that they should be canceled, but I can <laughs> um, certainly make a justification for why the pizza is gross. Uh, it's always undercooked. Yeah. And that layer between the cheese, raw dogging the dough, it just yeah. never, it never gets good. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so like when I worked at Astor Wines, uh, reps always buy us lunch at the end of the year. And one of the reps would always bring, always have like L&Bs and Levan cookies. And the L&Bs would come <laughs> to NoHo you know, somebody would drive it over and it just steams in the box yeah. the whole way there. And th- like, it was just like, it was like, you know, I, I worked this like <laughs> insane retail shift wine store Christmas Manhattan. And it just like, it's like a pizza dumpling followed <laughs> by a cookie dumpling, Levan, probably the L&B of cookies. I agree. <laughs> let's, let's cancel Levan right now. I, I think like Culture Espresso, that's the number one oh cookie in New God. York. Oh, I haven't had one of those in a while, but yeah. when I used to- that's Place is dope. When I used to work around one, that was a very good cookie, yeah. and they would they would come out fresh. Yeah, yeah, Levet, It's just like it's excess, you know. It's yeah. and it's underbaked. It's underbaked. Fully agree. Um, let's talk about some more restaurants because I want to get into. Um, 
let's give like let's start with just the best three because I and I know this is impossible, but I, I really want to and I have some specific questions as we'll progress. But your best three meals, just from the jump, let's just do it. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, do you want this to correlate to the magazine <laughs> roundup? Because, like, I do have a best restaurant. Yeah, I, I, yeah, sure. If there's a piece coming out with, okay, with some no, of these. Yeah. No, you know, this stays in here yeah. until, you know, until that drops. No, totally. We, we respect <laughs> deadlines and embargoes. And, Embargo, and, that's and it. That's stir- what I was Sternly worded letters Embargo. from editors. Embargo. <laughs> no, this is going to be dropped well after this comes out. Um, uh, I, for me, the best restaurant um, was Place des Fêtes in Clinton Hill. Um, and Clinton Hill is not a neighborhood that I am super familiar with because it's in this part of Brooklyn that's extremely hard to get to for me to get to via public transportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unless I go like train, train, bus, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm just not going to do. So mm-hmm. it really wasn't until uh, somebody, my employer was paying for the Uber that I got to really explore this neighborhood. Um, no, but it, it, the, the restaurant had opened around the beginning of the year and I remember just not even being excited for it. Um, because it's just like, okay, uh, opened by a group that already has a restaurant that I don't know much about. In called Brooklyn, what? Oxalis. A restaurant called Oxalis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that I don't know, you know, that I hadn't been to, but, you know, sort of that you have, like, the idea of just, like, new, fancy, modern, clean, whatever, ingredients-focused uh, plus wine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's just like, they're, yeah. they're, I truly like had no enthusiasm for the restaurant, uh, before I went there. And I think the, the thing that brought me there the first time was that they were open on Mondays. Ah. Uh, and that, especially after Omicron and stuff and just like restaurants figuring stuff out, um, that was one of the major plights of the first half of the year, definitely just like Mondays were so depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I wasn't that excited, but I was at least like, at least I can have a glass of wine uh, or, you know, two or three. Uh, or, you know, we can find out, we can find out what they're all about. Uh, and it just, it just surprised me because I loved the food. And honestly, like, for me, the, the wine isn't even the most important thing at Plastic Fet. Like, I'll I'll drink whatever. Like, I'll drink. I mean, I usually I'll get like draft sherry, and they have really interesting spirits. The food is just so awesome. And you know, from the first meal that I had, it was just the fish. Like, their mm-hmm. fish is top notch, and you can tell. And like, they had a sardine toast on special, and it was just a whole grilled gently very gently grilled sardine filet and I'm like are you grilling in here and they had like some kind of like in the back they had like a little well, green egg it's or something an open kitchen oh, cool. in the middle of the space so there's mm. more of um like a farmhouse kind of dining room vibe in the back that's a little bit darker and then mm-hmm. the front is more baravan whatever um and then the open kitchen is lit and like it's and it's it's the center, but it's also pretty like they have a very like modern oven and, you know, everybody is sharp and it's it's yeah, yeah it's got like surgical lighting on it. Um, yeah, it's like an arena and it is wide open. Um, but no no grill or no wood grill. So they must have had something. They have up. something. Yeah. The, who, the manager explained it to me. But yeah. honestly, you know, it. 
I was like, is that legal? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get them in no, trouble. No, <laughs> we don't need to go there. And, and before we get to two and three, question about walking in and doing your reviewing and doing your assessments. You know, you're, you're, you're going to a place that you don't really know much about. It sounds like you went in with a pretty open mind, but you were kind of like, I'm going to have a glass of wine and see where the night takes me. Is this kind of your methodology in general when you're when you're doing the work? Oh, yeah. You got to you got to just roll with it. And cool. I like <laughs> if like there there was no master list of places that I was going to go to. Interesting. Uh, no spreadsheets like that kind of crazy shit. I like I had started the year you know, with that. And <laughs> Alan was just like, you don't need to write a list of restaurants that you're going to go to. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and I mean, it ended up being necessary because, you know, indoor seating was so difficult at the beginning of last year. And I don't like sitting outside, especially alone. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I think, you know, being a solo diner is nice because you can just slip in to whatever opportunities exist. But you can also, um, you know, turn on a dime, which is necessary often. And it's it's partially why I prefer going out alone when it's work, because it's not just like about the details that I need to absorb in the moment. But I, I just don't have time for other people's dilly-dallying. So it's a scheduling <laughs> issue, and I, I think it's – I know what you're talking about. You, when you have to cover 15 restaurants in a week, some of them have reservations, some of them don't. It's like – especially getting that one top is actually a little easier, right, to get book it? It – I mean, yeah, and it's uh, – I don't – yeah, I didn't want to – like do very many reservations. Yeah. Generally, a lot of places keep their bars open. That's it, yeah. And so unless I really like, you know, except for like the really fancy ones, like the night that I went to Tempura Matsui, mm. which is like cool place, know, 250 Tempura Omakase, um, they they need you to make uh, yeah. a reservation. Uh, they also, you know, <laughs> for sure did not Google me before I like. Yeah. It's just like, you know, there were like five people in the restaurant max when I was there. So a couple questions before you get into two and three, because I, I love this where this is going. Now, uh, let's talk about money. Now, you're dining solo, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, I mean, this is – did you have, like, kind of an unlimited budget? I mean, uh, in fairness, you probably had a budget, but, like, could you kind of go where you wanted to go? Um, Yes. I I can honestly say, like, I don't – I did not come up on any constrictions, and Mm. maybe maybe it's just because I didn't spend enough. Uh, (laughs) I think it's just that, like, uh, it was – um, proportionate to like the work that was coming out and you know it's just like I'm getting these stories because like I will sit at a bar by myself for two hours and have three drinks mm-hmm. and like whatever you know it takes to like figure something out or I will go to like another place if I don't see that story coming through in that moment or if I just you know feel like it's a dud or whatever um and then I'll be drunk, so I have to take an Uber home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, the, like, travel, like, Ubers, like, I don't even think about that because, like, that's, like, not even on me. Like, yeah. the, the— It's like, like a house account. You didn't even have to see the money? Uh, No, it's not that. It's just that, like, I don't—like, that's not— the food like that like they they have to take me home yeah you know? no, i get that but what, how much did you spend for the year like what's, what's... Uh, i did not count it up i did <laughs> i mean like filing expenses 
Oh, happens. you did your own. Like, yeah, I don't have an intern. Can you believe that? That's, uh, well, I mean, the expenses um, alone must have cost they're taking at least due, one of the days. Like, there's due on this one day a month. And <laughs> just, like, the first one especially with, like, all the places I went to in January. Like, every, I mean, I, I, I'm very good at the very least at taking a picture of every receipt. Yeah. But what I should do is, like, put it in the app you know, at that moment. I don't do that. So there's just one day every month that's incredibly fraught. And sometimes it like corresponds with a newsletter day where I just have to like spend four hours like, you know, going through all my phone. Oh, everyone, you know, concur. We love that shit. You know, they've, they've, they've definitely tweaked it. It's gotten better. Uh, better. (laughs) Um, But uh, honestly, like it, (laughs) it's, it's not, the idea of having spent a lot it's no. just like <laughs> having ha- having expensed it uh i just want to forget all the numbers <laughs> oh my god i mean but also like you're not like like your guy platt like he's going out with six guys and writing ball then like you're a cheap date i mean you're running solo <laughs> wow. so so i mean i i don't think i'm i i would disagree with that characterization well i mean in this i mean I t- I don't want anybody to get the idea no. that I'm a cheap date right. because the, they are going to be very disappointed. The turn of phrase was meant to imply that as on this task of eating New York for a year, you often dined alone when in some critics love the idea of I had six people there with me. There was mm. Mr. Brown Shoes and Mr. I mean, all that crap, which I'm glad you don't write like that. Thank you for not doing that. Um, OK, let's go to number two. OK, uh, number two restaurant. Um. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Simple See, task. Like, yeah. It's this is actually the only spreadsheet that happened yeah. in the result in in this mm-hmm. year was the final one with the 457 restaurants because I needed it in order to yeah. make my roundups. Um, goodness. Like your Spotify roundup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your rewind. <laughs> um. I'm sorry. I mean, it really like three is a lot. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Three is a lot. Um, no, because it's like you know, there were times where I really like I really liked the omakase that I had at Tycoon. Which Great, is we'll call in, that number. We're not even the one of three. We'll call it one of three. I really enjoyed it, and I I think that at the time it was definitely one of my top meals. But then it took place during Sushi Week, and I really haven't bounced back on sushi since then. <laughs> It's just like it's that's a lot of omega threes. Yeah. That's a lot. It's like you know, p- people have made a really big deal about caviar this year. Yeah. But I gotta say, there is nothing that just like I I just it, it's it's my ick. Yeah. Right? Maybe like all eggs at this point. But. Yeah, ikura is your ick. <laughs> ikura. Yeah, ikura is definitely um, can be an ick, man. It's just you know when you when you I, you know I don't want to I don't want to have it every night. <laughs> yeah, the Ikuro Uni like one two is great for like once a quarter, but yeah, you, you bump in like these Ikuro's um, five meals, and it's that's a lot of craziness. Yeah, it's such a you know it's such a broy thing, yeah. and as such, it's just kind of populated all throughout Manhattan. This kind of like ultimate like Wagyu Ikuro battleship. Uni, uh, <laughs> with, with, uh, gold flake, uh, with yeah. the blowtorch, and yeah. like you can get one of those in pretty much like any neighborhood with a finance guy. Uh, <laughs> okay, like before we get to the third of three, one. Uh, but Tycoon a, didn't have those. Okay, like, sorry. We'll get. That's why to tycoon. I liked Tycoon, and also the oily fish that you can get on okay. a la carte. Amazing, like a sardine mackerel, but like they keep all the stinky fish for okay. a la carte. <laughs> all right. Be, as, before we get to three, let's talk about um, people you met along the way. 
Now, I have to ask you, did you make any friends that you still have? Because I know when you're dining solo, you're always, you know, talking to people. I mean, you're not just sitting there on your phone the whole time. And I know you, you're very social and you're fun to talk to. So did you you make, yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Did you make any friends out that you like are still in your text chat or? Did I make any? Well, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be conspicuous. Like, did I like make any like the thing? Okay. Gosh. (laughs) (sighs) I love your face. This is so great. <laughs> um, no, I mean, when you are uh, a single lady at the bar of uh, an expensive restaurant, there's a very limited number of people that you're going to come across. Um, and in the beginning, for me, it just kept being like like 60-something divorcees, who had, <laughs> hold on, left uh, their, their you know, their lives, their family lives on Long Island and moved into Manhattan apartments. And this was like, th- those exact characteristics just, just kept repeating themselves in the characters that were sitting next to me at restaurants for a really long time. Um, so, like, I mean, sure, you know, I'll... I'll I'll chat. Uh, but, you know, it's like, yeah, even like the, that, that's one of the, the, the intro to the first newsletter um, <laughs> was one of those types. Uh, and he, I went to the bathroom and when I came back, he had Googled me and like there was yeah. like my picture on his phone. And so it's just like, it's whatever, but it's definitely, I, it's like I'm not always trying to, tell people about myself in, no. in these situations. Sometimes it doesn't matter or like sometimes it's more chill, but it's 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 like, you know, that is a time when you definitely want parody. Otherwise, I try to like maybe ask people about themselves, ask them about their experiences or cool. like if there's a couple nearby, especially like, you know, people, you know, going back to single diners, like people do get fascinated because like, you know, whatever, I'm getting the $70 veal for myself <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> And so a lot of times, like, the conversation will happen if I'm sitting at a table by myself and there's a couple at the table next to me and they'll maybe, like, initiate a conversation just asking, like, you know, if I like what I got or whatever, and then that's how we'll talk. So I think that I end up having more of those kinds of conversations. Um, You know, and it's like, there's always the, sure, I follow people back on Instagram. Yeah, you guys, you have your like pool of people that pop up on your stories and you're like, oh, well, that person was from three weeks ago at that, you know, steakhouse at the bar. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I uh I I don't think I've really acquired any new mm. close friends. Okay, but uh, before we get to number three, another question about walking into restaurants. Um, I mean, we know there's the PR industrial complex here in New York and for the restaurants, many agencies know you are on the lookout for you did you get quote-unquote made slash did you have anyone like see you and be like oh shit or like in a way that like (laughs) not like a negative way but in a way like the the critic is here like the critic is here because you are a restaurant critic and you're showing up and there's like great drama in pop culture about the critics showing up at restaurants but you truly that's what you are you showed up at restaurants okay well for the record (laughs) my title was never critic and uh, My shorthand, not the Vox Media <laughs> well, HR. Well, because I think it's like a, there definitely is a distinction between Got it. what Platt was doing and what I did. Got and it. I often like the the thing that got curtailed the most in my editing was just 
uh, food reviews, like just blanket food descriptions, because that's not necessarily like what this column is about. Or it's not what the column is about every week. So, like, there would be weeks where I would do a more food-forward one or we would do, like, review-y. Um, and then, then it would be followed by, uh, like, more of an opinion piece or something where it's not really even giving an opinion on. There are lots of places that I've written about where I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't really care about the food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. And, like, that's definitely why uh, I think people smash the open when they got your email because it was not a roundup of like other critics, maybe like roundup of 10 best this or, you know, where to eat brunch with your in-laws, you know, stuff like that. It was always like a narrative. It was always a snapshot, which love that you could jump in and out of different subcultures in New York or or wonderful city we live in. It's the best. Yeah, it really is. Okay. So number three, number three. Um, Oh yeah. Taiwanese specialties. Oh, that's and I really feel strongly about that. That they ended up there at the Taiwanese specialties is in Elmshurst, Elmhurst, um, and I went there on one of the very cold early Saturdays this year um, because we were going to the um, Indonesian bazaar that was taking oh, yeah. place at uh, a space near there. Yep, um, been there many times. I love that spot. Yeah, and uh, it was just a, a cold day and. There were about six of us, mostly food writers, and we all just, like, got, like, walked into Taiwanese Specialties, also known as Taiwanese Gourmet. It's unclear. Mm. They go by both on their Instagram. Mm. Um, And it was completely packed, but they just pulled a table together kind of on the other end of the restaurant by the fish tanks. uh, And we got so many things, and it was the bill was less than $100. I, yeah. It was less than $100. And it was like, you know, there was it was everything. It was so many things. Um, but one of my favorite dishes of the year, uh, and this will actually be in the magazine roundup, uh, was the fly sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. It's just, it's, it's truly a dish that I would eat every day, uh, you know, and I, I would be happy to. Like, it's just a big pile of stir-fried chives with like a little bit of salty pork and some like fermented black beans and on rice and it's just it's just such an essential dish and you it you can you just feel how perfect and essential mm-hmm. it is love that description um let's jump ahead to you wrote i think it was the summer um it was sometime after we had been at 200 restaurants and you wrote this great essay it was like a 100 tips or it was like a list of 100 tips um, so I want to, a couple of them like just jumped out and I wanted to, to bring them up because they're pretty great. One is, um, Avenue J is famous for Defara, but the best reason to take a trip to Midwood is the smooth hummus and spicy shawarma at Hummus Bar. Let's talk about that spot. Okay. Well, I will say that I, I discovered Hummus Bar during my COVID week, so it was delivered to me. I have not been to the location. I I hope that's okay. But totally it, acceptable. It, it was delivered with the um the kosher tape around the bag. Yeah. Uh, saying that it wasn't tampered with. Um, you know, between there and my house. So that was great. Although the last time I ordered from them, they forgot the pita. Um, <laughs> kind of a misstep there because you're not really like going down to the bodega and getting a great pita. And I know. Oh my, my god, pita is so fluffy. Was it Angel? 
Was the brand Angel Pita from Jersey? No, no, they make it. They make it there. They're, and it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I I should go to the location. I probably have to now because I tried to order from them recently and they were no longer on Seamless. Okay. Um, but I I do know that, that, I mean, that area, like Midwood, there's just a lot of kosher eaters over there. So mm. they there are a lot of, like, Israeli, I like, style hummus places. Oh, and yeah. They make... I, very like just so smooth. It's so oh, smooth. Oh, I mean, my my hair guy in Brooklyn, Devere, uh, <laughs> took me there. I love I love the hummus spots in Midwood. Now, as an aside, Defara, uh, what do you think? Um, well, Defara was not on my, you know, <laughs> four hundred fifty seven restaurants. Okay, fair. Um, <laughs> the thing is, like, you're not gonna get me to wait yeah. in line for uh, an allegedly like fantastic pizza in the winter or by no. myself. I didn't go to Lucali either. Um, <laughs> and I, it, it just, you know, it's never, it never, and it's like, I think that with pizza, I, like, I believe that, and this came up in my scar profile, but there's a utility to pizza. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of pizza that I like to celebrate. And it's really beautiful to just see the slice being the star yeah. because that's such an essential form of nutrition for so many people and such a bright spot in your day when it's great. Um, so the idea that, you know, this amazing new pizzeria opened up in just just the most, like, outskirts of Brooklyn. Like, it's, it's an 11-minute walk away from the Avenue X station mm -hmm. on the queue. Um, so, or I guess you can take a bike. I can't ride a bike, so that yeah. was never really... But um, so you like it's definitely like a trek if that's what you want. But you go there and there's no, you know, line like there's no hold up. It's just really great pizza, like as it might have been, um, mm -hmm. you know, once upon a time. Um, and the guys don't seem to be jerks. Like to hear that. Like at L and B's. Oh, man, we're going back. <laughs> Speaking of. of of uh, two letters, F and F is my slice spot. Um, do you ever did you make it there on your on your list? No, the, the one in Carroll Gardens. That's the Frankie's uh, oh, slice spot. Slice. No, shop. I didn't. I um, you know what? Maybe we should. I would love to get your tour of Carroll Gardens. Yeah, let's do a sidebar. <laughs> let's do it. It'd be fun. I, I don't live there anymore, but <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm up in the Hudson Valley, but I, I oh. lived there for 17 years. I'll take can you, you commute here. Uh, I do. Yes, wow. it's not 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 that bad. Um, I can take you around Chester, New York. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I like it up there. There's a few restaurants. Um, okay, I want to go back to the 200 restaurants, 100 tips uh, essay. Mm -hmm. Okay, actually, the bouncer outside Mineta Tavern is good. He's the guy who will hook you up with a bar seat. This is great intel, Tammy. What who, what is up with this guy? Um, I I mean I didn't you know develop a very personal relationship with him in the interaction, um, but it was one of the few times that I had a couple of tourists with me, um, and I actually don't think that Manetta made the lineup of the four fifty seven because I was with my friend and her boyfriend and he paid, and so at that time I was just like making a line between, you know, being at work mm -hmm. and not being at work. Um, but we had come from the Four Horsemen, and, like, yeah, they were just doing, like, tourist but cool. Um, but then also, like, her boyfriend is, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> 50 or something. Okay. I don't know. So he's like, he's, like, you know, an older dude. So it's, like, you know, it's, like, you can't just take him to... 
I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> wiggle room. <laughs> uh, I've never been to wiggle room. But uh, so, yeah, but I think like he kind of perked up when we were in the West. I think they were going to a comedy show or something. We had mm. a moment ago and he kind of perked up and so did she at Mineta Tavern just because like they recognized it. But then it was like, oh, like, are we going to be able to get in? And, you know, they because they had a bouncer outside and it was, I guess, like 6 p.m. And, you know, that part of the West Village is just swarmed with all kinds of people <laughs> selling all kinds of things and like scaring you off or whatever. Yeah. But um, there, there's almost always room at the bar, and you just gotta say, "Hey, man, what's up?" Yeah, you gotta How's talk it to gun? talk to the talk to the staff. Get 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 the seat at the bar. Yeah. And you like that? You like that burger? Uh, I didn't have the burger. I just had a Manhattan. Oh, right on. <laughs> Respect. I I you know burger is not. Yeah. always on the top of my list, especially, like, I think that's probably one of the secrets to going out to a lot of restaurants. I, I rarely get a burger. It's very good. I mean, you're a professional <laughs> for real. I mean, obviously, and, and, like, going to a restaurant, writing it for your calm is just having the Manhattan, having the story is so why I like your writing so much. To, like, it is not, like, no offense, but, like, Serious Eats 2009, like, we're going to eat at, like, 14 dishes. Like, it's mm-hmm. not... It's not that. It's like it's real cultural reporting. I love it. Thank you. Uh, I think it has always been like a goal of mine to acquire a more casual tone because I don't think that I came into food and wine with that. Like like I went to like a really hardcore school for like philosophy Mm -hmm. and then I studied wine in France and I'd studied pastry before. And so I knew a lot of things technically but I think I lacked a lot of feeling and so in the time where I was like really figuring out how to be a writer which I don't think I would say even started until I was like 25 or 26 like that I interned at Eater when I was 25 which is pretty late Um, and it wasn't really until I just started trying to figure out how to be more comfortable with my writing, like, as comfortable as I felt with the subject itself because I just I just kind of, like, would just become too technical and, mm-hmm. like, very stiff. And it was odd because, you know, I love food, I love cooking, and it's something that I have a very natural aptitude for. So I think the beginning of, like, my freelancing was kind of trying to figure out how to incorporate some element of myself into yeah. it rather than just writing, like, instructional material. So well said. And I think um, once you get, like, reps, so to speak, you just gain confidence. It's a confident voice and a confident point of view. And this segues to – I didn't want to lead with this because I know you have a deep love for New York City restaurants, but I have two questions um, that maybe we could, say, skew on the negative side of the coin. And the first part is a quote from that 200-100 piece. A recent meal at Dirty French felt like a scam – Ordering fries and a side of spinach added $24 to my bill, and my $35 pork chop was mostly an edible fat. What else is a scam? That's, like, my question, because I feel that word is so apt. I think Vittles wrote a great scam piece for for that great British newsletter. (laughs) I know you you might not have read this question in advance, but, like, give me one or two, like, total scams in New York City dining. Um. I mean, this is kind of terrible because you just listed an MFG restaurant, but I, <laughs> I, I feel like Seidel's is a tourist bait. Yeah. Like, if you're going to spend that much on brunch, I don't know. I haven't done Russ and Daughters. I would say, like, get Russ and Daughters to go. Yeah. And then eat it in your hotel room. I, like, uh, there's just, like, I mean, I, like, 
I hate brunch. There's nothing that feels as patronizing as like <laughs> paying a lot of money for eggs. Uh, I I don't like to wake up. So it's like it's yeah. already like it's got a lot of stuff against it. Um, but yeah. Uh, what else? Um, who can I pick on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to, again, stress this is not the tone of the whole piece in our interview. <laughs> um, I just it's good, good information to have. I'm I'm still trying to like understand what's going on with caviar right now mm-hmm. because it's getting super gross. Um <laughs> and it's not just like that like caviar is going down market or something, but that it's just it's just losing all meaning. And um I think yeah. that it's just there's so many places where it's just sort of I don't know, uh, an unnecessary comma. Yeah, it's a great call. <laughs> yeah, it's just like an upcharge that you might just... just yeah, don't, don't and it's need. like it's a way to justify serving more expensive food. Yeah. So places that do that, uh, let me list some. Uh, <laughs> the River, uh, I wrote a newsletter dedicated to uh, the sort of, I don't know, uh, nihilism <laughs> meets like gentrification meets just... Is that a North Brooklyn restaurant? Uh, no, 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 The River is... Uh, a bar that opened in Chinatown oh, God. next to, um, what's the restaurant called? Mr. Yeah. You know this corner. Right. Anyway, right. Um, they just opened this year and like they, it was the first place where I saw a Dirty Shirley on the menu. Yeah. Um, but it was on the specials. A Dirty Shirley is a Shirley Temple with vodka in it. Mm. Uh, yes. and, <laughs> and so uh, it was on their specials handwritten menu that was tucked into the actual printed menu, uh, which advertised the $75 Missouri Hackleback caviar service with optional add-on $150 bottle of Krug. Anyway, um, it just uh, really stoked my cynicism. <laughs> I mean, I think the you got to make a nickel in this business and you got to stay open, but there's definitely some gratuitous um, gouging and just opportunistic people. People are eating it though. It's not like it's that's that's the thing. Like it's not just I mean, and maybe this is just like with so many, you know, fads uh, where it's just like orange wine went through this, is going through this, but like, you know, rosé or sort of it's just like the the you know, not just commercialization, but dilution of just its essential meaning and like yeah. purpose as a food. Yeah. As a food, you know, caviar is like, it's really fucked up the way that you make caviar. Yeah, it's really, and there's also just like some, <laughs> there's like some socio-political issues with the oh, origins yeah. of caviar in our country. Um, war. I think that's part of why yeah. it's so, I, I, I haven't, I, I don't know the full details on this, but like th- there are new sources for it. So that's why there's such a surplus right now. So there's like yeah. so many people trying to find new ways to sell it. It's a good story there. Is it Dr. Clark you're thinking of? Yes. Yeah. Dr. Clark got, got a ton of buzz for, for, I never went, so I have no opinions, but there are like lots of like podcasts and fashion people who are going to Dr. Clark nonstop. And yeah. And so the river is affiliated and it's like run by the same people or something there's crossover uh but it's like more of the bar tammy should we talk about dime square i i don't really care is the thing like and maybe like this is something maybe i just didn't go back to a lot of restaurants that i've been to like i always had like the thought of going back to kiki's in my mind because like i have historically historically liked kiki's but then it would just be like 
Kiki's hold up or it doesn't, but it for sure hasn't changed. Um, and it's like beyond that, like reading about Times Square and like hearing so much about it in the midst of like, I, I don't know, it's like I don't like to go to restaurants that are new or like restaurants that have just opened or that everybody is talking about unless, you know, my editor tells me to just because, you know, that. That's the place that you're going to get recognized, for one thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll have the PR people working there in the front door. I mean, that yeah. happens. Yeah, and then just, like, you know, hearing about Times Square, like, it doesn't it doesn't make your mouth water. Um, I did go to <laughs> Corner Bar yeah. for my hotel breakfast piece, yeah. and that was actually one of the highlights for me. Um, I've definitely heard, like, I mean, well, no, it's gotten a lot of good reviews for their dinners. Um, I think, you know, if the service is right— uh, it should be a great experience. Um, but that's also, like, very counter to maybe the overall Dimes feeling. Um, I guess, yeah, I wrote about Scars um, and went there a bunch. Um, and then, like, I went to Servo's in the purpose of writing about Scars because he was just talking about how they were open when um, around the time that he opened the pizzeria. And Dimes, actually. And he's, uh, Scar is friends with Sabrina. Mm. They, like, came up in, like, kind of, like, early 2000s restaurant mm-hmm. scene, um, you know, and he was, he had nothing but kind things to say about her, her work ethic, and dimes, and he was living um, in that neighborhood at that time, and, you know, he just said, like, I just always found it to be a incredibly really useful solid, place. Incredibly solid meals at dimes. I mean, yeah. always. Um, and, and I feel that the, the, now the... Dime Square-ification is, is good for their brand, I guess. I mean, maybe not for critics, but good for, like, the population to recognize it. I mean, I think it's tough because as a restaurant owner uh, or, like, anything having to do with success, you can never always control the narrative. Um, and sometimes it just—you you have to accept um, sort of the good with the generalization. Subak, good eel restaurant right in Dime Square. It's like a Korean Never eel restaurant. Been. Yeah, that I had to shout that out because I feel like there's that's one that maybe I'll does, check it out. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll talk about the, your next role because it's certainly it, you're on the beat as we speak. <laughs> a few more of these questions. This has been really fun, Tammy, and I, I just keep like I want to tap in with you about some of these topics in New York City restaurant. And one is um, I hear this. this is not a straw man argument. People people make this statement. There isn't any good Mexican food in New York. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you say to people who say that? Um, okay, first of all, I have never been to Southern California. Um, I have never been to Texas. I, I've been to New Mexico. Mm. So so maybe that's where I've had, like, maybe the closest geographically. I've never been to Mexico. Um, so a lot of my idea of Mexican food is very East Coast. Um, and, you know, I th- I think that it's hard for me to judge it against an ideal that... I've never had. Um, but I will say, for one thing, there is a lot of Mexican food in New York. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that it's, it's just, it's hit or miss. It's so hit or miss. I think that Bushwick has a lot of really great options. And, like, I think, you know, one thing that I will probably think about when I – find my next apartment is, are there good tacos in the neighborhood? And how late are those tacos served? Because probably my most clutch food 
in the past, I've been living in the same place since like 2015. Um, so since then has just been the corner store on Beverly and Coney Island that's like a Mexican bakery mm -hmm. and they make tacos in the back. And I've just been getting two carnitas or two chorizo, you know, and I've like, just like seen the price go up. I think when <laughs> I started going there, it was five bucks. The last time I went, it was probably like seven twenty-five, seven fifty. Um, but you know, like there are so many great like corner Mexican restaurants making fresh salsas. It's not always like knockout, knockout. And then you have places like Taqueria Ramirez, mm -hmm. which is definitely knockout, but there's also like a line and there's no tables and there's no like margarita or something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like you, you, you can't have it all in some of those well, situations. Well, it's the truth in most places, you know, in Mexico well, or Texas. But then at or... least, like, you're outside in California. It's true. <laughs> it, is, it does taste a little better when you're in the truck in, like, 75 and sunny. I mean, Los Taco, let's talk about those guys. Those guys are always doing the good. Los... Dumbo one? Well, the, I, I mean, Dumbo, there's one in Wall Street. There's one. Okay. I, I feel like I've been to all NoHo of them. There's NoHo one? There's is NoHo, that... and then there's yeah, a Chelsea Market. Yeah, that one scares Market. me, because, like, I used to work in that neighborhood, and I'm just like, I... Trigger. <laughs> and it's also next to a Levan, and I have to legally stay 30 feet okay, away Okay, but the one in Chelsea Market still is solid um i just went to the one in dumbo a couple weeks ago and i really liked that location i think that's what it's, no that's the pastor i think uh, is it but it's not the same people completely and then they do pastor okay. they do carnitas and they do i think the one in chelsea market has several meats but i, I you yeah. have to go to los taco they were really good and i also just liked the seating like even like yeah. for a casual restaurant i had just been like walking around dumbo and like carol gardens that day and it was just like, and it's so hard to just find a decent place to sit while you eat. Mm -hmm. e like it's that's just the thing that New York is absolutely running out of. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, besides just affordable food in general, but you know, it's like yeah, sure you can get a bacon, egg, and cheese anywhere, but can you, like, can you have just like the respect? Can you give yourself the respect to enjoy it in like a place uh, that isn't freezing cold or mm -hmm. burning hot? Um, so, you know, it's kind of, it's tough. I mean, just like real estate and stuff. Yeah. Um, you and gotta so go that, to Sweetgreen. Yeah. I was more of a chopped that. girly, actually. Oh, really? Chopped. Yeah. Um, the Astor Place Chopped. Oh, really? Uh, was my, I, I, I probably spent $500 there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, and then, I mean, the thing is like, I love Yellow Rose. But yeah. I didn't really count. That's Tex-Mex. And it's just like, yeah, okay. A lot of the places that get press are good, but it's like, yeah, it's because they're like, you know, it got a lot of investments. Like, they're, like, making their own flour tortillas. It's just that, like, n you know, you like, when the places are going, are taking the extra steps to, you know, make things yeah. from scratch, they usually get well-known and supported. few more questions. What the hell is going on at Rock Center? <laughs> it's crazy. It's not all bad. And, mm -hmm. and I mean this with all respect to the proprietors there. There are some pretty bad places there from my initial assessment, but... What is going on? Yeah. Um, I went to Jupiter. <laughs> I, I've been loving saying the name of that restaurant because you can say, like, I went to Jupiter. Yeah, it's um, funny. It's a good good name, good branding. I was uh, I was really taken by the the full view of the Rock Center ice rink from my seat. And I was just like, is this <laughs> – is this like what they wanted? I I don't know, and I think like you know it's uh, there are certainly a lot of tourists in that space. 
uh, it wasn't clear to me that a lot of people that were eating at Jupiter specifically were Taurus. Uh, but then, like, the restaurant farther down the hall that's more of, like, a burgers and rib kind of place, like, that was full, like, absolutely crammed with, like, families wearing plaid shirts, whereas, like, the <laughs> people who were waiting 20 minutes to eat at Jupiter at 2 p.m. on a Friday uh, were more intentional, probably. Um, but... <laughs> well said. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's an explosion of expensive food, Rockefeller Center. Yeah. And that is interesting to people with money. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's that, a big it, story. It really just comes down to that. It's just like, I mean, it's like, okay, Lorac, expensive French food. I think that the experience was good, um, and it should be for that much money. Um, I'm just like... It's so hard to get it up for French food. Yeah. <laughs> another French restaurant, like, another heavy meal, like, another, like, place that, you know, is charging $20 a glass for wine or yeah. more. Like, so, I don't know. It's, you know, even though I'm not paying for stuff, like, I'm still, you know, uh, a person with a bunch of roommates who, like, understands value and, you know, what what fun per minute should cost. Well, these critics lose the thread. <laughs> they lose the thread often when they don't realize what you just said, which is so appreciative. It's like you're writing for your your audience. You're not writing to just recess restaurants for the whatever James Beard orders or whatever, like, or put, you know, put stars on things. I mean, you, you want to... And La Rock got a ton of press, and, like, I have not been there. I have no opinion, but is it worth it? That's, like, the question that a lot of New York Magazine readers will want to answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that a lot of people who read my newsletter about Lorac, uh, like it would be like very personal whether or not you would think that it was worth it. Because like it, like let's say you don't care about the money, which I don't know if you're eating dinner, like it, it'll probably if you're eating dinner and drinking and getting dessert, it's probably going to be two hundred dollars a person. Mm-hmm. Um or so. So, like, let's say we're just, like, in a world where that's fine for the people involved in this. Like, where it's not, like, I don't know. Like, ugh, because so many people do come to New York to splurge on restaurants. Yeah, so you— That's, that's maybe where I've, like, totally lost the plot. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think, like, there's two different audiences for New York Mag, and you have to recognize both with the yeah. framing of your, of, your, of your restaurant coverage. I mean, when I went there, it just kind of felt like a restaurant that a lot of people were going to after work. So it's like those people are a lot of my readers, too. And, you know, I ended up, like, recognizing somebody who was dining at the table, like, an art lawyer that I know— you know, had previously only known from Instagram. And so I, like, went over and said hi to her. And, you know, it just seemed like, you know, that kind of, like, expense account vibe, like, you know, families, but, like, you know, like, it's just, like, people who are treating this like their backyard kind of thing. What's the biggest sleeper trend happening in New York right now that maybe we haven't written about yet? (laughs) Oh, so you can scoop me, Oh, we don't cover (laughs) New York City restaurants. We just talk about you. Let me think. Let me think. I, you know, I, I shut down my new ideas for the year. Yeah, you're like, this is like work right now. I feel like... Um, uh, it's just I'm waiting for the... Yeah. I'm waiting for the new ideas to come in. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, whatever whatever manages to replace French food, like, yeah. that's... It's just been, like... I Because, like, like I said, like, I don't get a burger every time I see it. Uh, I don't know how many times I ordered steak frites this year. It might have been one or two. But 
I sure did have about a hundred opportunities. Like, and that's just like kind of appalling to me. I don't know. Is it, are there really like so many people that are eating steak free every single night? Or like, is that so essential? Like, honestly, like if I could say like there was a quintessential New York menu that you just see everywhere, you know what? I have an answer to your earlier question. A place that I had a really good time at once upon a time, an amazing time actually, uh, was Walters. Yeah. And I did not have a good time at Walters. When I was it just like, it was just like downhill. I'm it was just straight up downhill. sad to hear that Walters used to be so great. I went, oh, somebody, man. somebody took me there, like, and I had never been there before. Yeah. And like, we got like, you know, uh, like roast beef au jus mm-hmm. and it was super late and then we went to the back bar uh, and had Japanese cocktails and it was just it was just great and then I went there on a different Saturday night and it was just like it was just a bummer I don't know and it was just like it, it sucks because like quality has fallen off in a lot of places yeah. uh, but you know that place should be a knockout like it totally has the clientele it's in a you know, right neighborhood, absolutely for for like, outdoor seating. Yeah, outdoors, the vibes like it should like, and it's just like, you know, you wish that places could stay good, because like that's maybe like the marker of, of actual existence. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than like a, a more expensive concept coming in or things getting weirder, like it's like, can we just have something normal and decent that's open until eleven? You know, like oh, that's know. another another show. <laughs> yeah, that's time. Another show. That's another show. <laughs> Tammy, when did you feel the most pressure mm-hmm. for this job? Every time I was writing that newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean it's like it's tough, especially in the beginning. But just going back to like yeah. not knowing the style and sort of understanding at the same time that like what I'm doing is magazine work and it's not necessarily food descriptions and so there is a thing that they want and I have to like find that in myself and so that that honestly brought the pressure to all of them and like it was only like maybe fairly recently that I sort of had more of a sense of like what would what people like what what would be a good subject or like like sort of nailing exactly you know what they want because like it's not just like having an idea like, Mm-mm. oh, you know, let me try every lasagna. Um, or like if it was in the case of, you know, Caesar Wrap, um, it was related to uh, this TikTok trend that yeah. I had seen only women doing in New York. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that was just a very genuine exploration for me. Um, so I don't know. Did I answer the question? Do you, you <laughs> did, and I think that that, that piece about the Caesar Wrap um, really – encapsulates the way New York Magazine rolls and has rolled for decades, which is like capturing um, a cultural moment of the zeitgeist in in print form. But um, also not trying to be corny. Exactly. There's so many people, like that is TikTok itself. It's not just being corny. replication. And I agree. It's not TikTok. Well, there's art direction, there's editing, there's headlines, there's smart writing. I mean, it's not TikTok. Yeah. Although, you know, this year I did largely, except for anything that was in print, uh, all of my own photography. And so that is something that <laughs> yeah. I'm relieved that I will not have to uh, show uh, my work on 
uh, in further pieces because it will be commissioned. I like they put the they did the fancy border like hack, which is what we've <laughs> and, we've certainly used this at taste many times. Yeah, the fancy border is not going to cover up the greasy lens. I but. mean, it's it's we've used it many times. It's <laughs> old trick in the trade. So we're gonna wrap, and you you alluded to it just now is that you are not ending your writing at New York Magazine. You've been promoted, um, and I'm so happy to hear that. What is your new role when you start, and what are you going to be doing? Um, yes, so I I think I'm just going to be like a senior writer, maybe cool. a senior editor or something. Um, but I will be picking up the underground gourmet column that was last helmed by the Robs. That is uh, Robin and Rob Patronite, who have who were at the magazine for I think since I was born, and mm-hmm. um, they just retired uh, half over the summer. Um, so, you know, going back to the idea of just like the legacy behind magazine writing and stuff, um, it's pretty cool. And I will be in print, um, in every edition. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's right. So that's every two weeks or so. <laughs> I, I should probably get a, well, maybe I'll just start going to the office more because <laughs> they have them at the office. I mean, the Rob's. I, I hope to have them on the show at some point. I want to really catch them. I never met them. They're like kind of elusive characters. I've never met them. Yeah, right. There you go. That's there you go. That's it. Um, but they put in the work. They put in the reps. You can't you can't deny that. Okay, but you know there were two of them. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> two stomachs. It's true. Four feet. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> four, four hands. <laughs> Think about that. Four hands. Have you filed your first? critical assessment for this new role are you uh no not yet uh yeah not yet i (laughs) i don't know that'll probably get fleshed out this week probably i love it well i can't wait to read it tammy we ask all guests in the taste podcast to create a cookbook or food culture book without the burden of time meaning you have no deadline oh deadline or the burden of budget meaning you have unlimited funds i know you've this is your second time on the show i had forgot to mention that in the top so you've done this before but it was years ago with our good friend, Anna Hiesel. Shouts to Anna. Hello. It was last year. Oh, my God. We went two <laughs> years. Well, it was last year at this time. Thank yeah. you for reminding me. Oh, Tammy, what would that book be? Um, I don't remember how I answered this last time if I did, in fact, answer it. Um, but I've thought of so many cookbook ideas. So let me just pull one out of the, the <laughs> repertoire. Um, one thing that I always wanted to do was, and this is good because it'll be a really expensive book, is a coffee table book about, like, like celebrations and, like, just every kind of, like, banquet. I think there have been versions where I wanted to do, like, you know, a holiday for every day of the year, but I think anything with 365 in front of it is immediately corny. <laughs> so just, like, something that's just, like, oh, that's a beautiful, good. like, guide or, like, not even guide, just, like, yeah, a coffee table book with just, like, Mostly pictures of just like the celebrations the way they're supposed to be done. So what's the first celebration? <sighs> this is like going to be for a book proposal right now. I, I know <laughs> we're reminding you for all sorts of stuff. No, there's got to be one type um, of celebration. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's like I, I think I, I'm thinking of like maybe like uh, the first thing that comes to mind is like a different culture's wedding or yeah. like when I when I wrote about. Baiju for wine enthusiasts, and this is like a really long time ago. So it was like I wrote all about how baiju is made, and you know all the different types. And then at the end of it, it's like how baiju is consumed. And um, I talked to somebody who you know described the custom of drinking baiju at a Chinese wedding, and just sort of the back and forth of 
you know, shots and like politeness and sort of, yeah, I guess maybe like I care more about the etiquette too. That would be cool. Like the mm-hmm. celebrations next to the etiquette, like don't fuck up. I love that. That's, <laughs> oh, there's the title. You just did it. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that That's going to be on my SEO. No. <laughs> Tim and Declan Merriam, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Thank you. The Taste Podcast is hosted by me, Matt Rodbard. It's produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.